0: Sons and daughters of Saturday, Grace and Wimbish here, back with another one for you. Today, I have the distinct honor and privilege to sit down with the one, the only, Grace Chavez from the Virginia Tech softball team. Sons and daughters of softball could not be more fired up about this because the softball team season officially starts this weekend. But first, a little bit of a quick rundown of the guest of honor today. Grace is a sophomore on the Virginia Tech softball team, hailing, didn't know this, from the wild, wild west, Sin City, also known as Las Vegas, Nevada. She was a four-year letter winner for Coach Kelly Glass at Palo Verde High School, where she was a three-time All-Northwest League selection. She also helped lead the Panthers softball team to a VHSL state title in the year 2017. And this one I really appreciate Grace is a multimedia journalism major like yours truly and one of the newest loud and proud student ambassadors of the Sons of Saturday, for which we very much appreciate you. So without further ado, Grace, welcome to the Sons of Saturday. We're happy to have
1: you. Happy to be here, for sure. <laughs> I'm excited.
0: I'm stoked. I'm so stoked. This is long overdue. So first question out of the gate, how the heck are you? How are things in Blacksburg right now? Obviously, it's times are very, very different. I talked to my little brother and he always says that it's just like the world is upside down. So if, like from your perspective, how are things, how, how's everybody doing?
1: Um, I think things are good. Um, It's also been raining here. So that even adds to the effect of just being a little bit sad in Blacksburg for sure. But uh, other than that, like softball season's getting started. So we get to travel tomorrow, which is, which is great. So I'm very excited about that. But uh, yeah, Blacksburg, it, it's like been okay. I guess like you can still go out, but it is not the same feeling though at all. Like sure. you're still like the masks and everything, which obviously like staying social distance and all that, but you know, you still gotta love Blacksburg. That's the uh, thing. It doesn't matter always. what's going on. Doesn't matter what's going on, you're always gonna love Blacksburg. So that's that's really it. Yeah, yeah. Good. Solitude. Yeah.
0: Good. I know I say I'm glad to hear that because you know, I I I really I don't know much about how like classes are structured and everything right now with with, you know, how many people can be in in squires at one time. Or I, I don't I don't know what any of that looks like. So that's all kind of fascinating to me. Uh, I do think though, you know, I got out of the good time because I, I really, really I do feel for anybody who is in school at Virginia Tech or anywhere right now who is in a COVID world and has to, you know, I guess miss out on on the quintessential college experience uh, because of COVID. So
1: Yeah. You got the good college experience. Yeah.
0: Un unscathed made it. Uh, Here's a question. I'm sure you get all the time, but I have to know, how does a girl from Las Vegas, Nevada, end up in Blacksburg, Virginia playing softball? I mean, literally you could have gone anywhere in the country and you chose tech. Why?
1: Um, So I'm actually originally from uh, Virginia. I was born in Arlington, Virginia. And so I lived here from about like, two years. So I was born and then like two years old. And then we moved to New Mexico to be closer to my dad's family. And then from New Mexico, we moved there from when I was seven. And I grew up in Vegas from like seven to 18. And then actually my parents relocated back to Virginia. But I always wanted to play at Virginia Tech because like ever since I was 12, I looked up like college softball because like when I was 12, I was like, I want to play at the next level. So I looked up college softball and the first team that popped up was Virginia Tech. And I just fell in love with it. And like also Courtney little, she was a stud catcher back then. And like, I kind of wanted to resemble her. So that's literally, I was like, I want to go to Virginia tech because of Courtney little, but like I also wanted to be close to family. Cause all my family's like out here in Virginia and then like Georgia and stuff. So I definitely wanted to be close to them so that they could actually come in, like watch me play. So that, that would have been nice, but. This yeah, is,
0: this, this is great. Like that makes so much sense in my head, you know, you, you, you relocate. So. So the family can come see you. You're originally from here. So you kind of you grew up, probably started elementary school, started kindergarten, and then you moved out west. And I'm sure yeah. that was a, a huge change. But now you're back. You're ba- back on the East Coast. Do you plan to stay on the East Coast? Is that is that the move or do you know? Um,
1: I'm hoping I'm trying to figure it out, like currently, because like. I'm looking at internships in either LA, New York, or like Georgia. Cause I feel like those are the three hubs for like production studios. Sure. I definitely want to get into like one of those internships for the production studios. But I think honestly, like Georgia would be a great place. I feel like to raise a family. So that's where I hopefully want to end up. But if I have to start in LA or New York, like I will, (laughs) I will for sure start there.
0: (laughs) Let me just say, let me just say, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that you just said that, because I currently live in Los Angeles. and uh, I, I know you and my little brother are friends. Y'all have talked about that. Uh, I think about that all the time. Like, I love Georgia. Atlanta's the East Coast LA. Billy Ray Mitchell uh, lives there. Well, not really right now. He's cross country Bill currently and is is all over the place right now. So, but shout out to Billy Ray because he, he always says great things about ATL and just Georgia in general. So that'd be, that'd be awesome. Um, but this Saturday, looking forward to game one, you start your second season, and as a designated hitter, yeah. If I'm if I'm correct for the Virginia Tech softball team against Kennesaw State, I don't really know where Kennesaw State is.
1: That's actually in Georgia.
0: It's in Georgia. <laughs> there, there you go. What's going through your mind this week? You nervous? What are the, What are the emotions like?
1: Oh, I'm itching to play. Like it's been 11 months since our last game. So like we're all super excited and just like really itching to play anybody but our teammates, because our coach, like we scrimmage against uh, like each other. And the thing is, one of our pitchers, Keely, is like a preseason All-American. She has awards, like a list of awards. And so it's like so I'm kind of sick and tired of striking out on her. So I really just want to face someone else type of thing. Like I'm striking out against an All-American. So like, I can't get too mad about it. I can't get too mad about it. But at the same time, it like hurts my ego just a little bit, just a pinch.
0: It's all good. I mean, because y'all are teammates at the end of the day, you're helping each other get better. I get it. I mean, but I understand after 11 months I'd want to hit against somebody else too. I think that's fair. Uh, With that in mind, what has the softball team's preparation been like with COVID walk us through a typical day in the life uh, of a preseason Virginia tech softball player.
1: Well, I think we've just been really adaptable, honestly, with like COVID and everything, because like you could have one player test positive and that's taking out like half the team. So I think that's like a big thing, like even with our coaches is being adaptable and being able to plan out our practices, say, if we don't have everyone there. But uh, a typical day for a softball player, for a Virginia Tech softball player. Uh, so I have classes in the morning, which is like really nice. On a, my first class is until 1230. And your girl loves to sleep. Like, trust me, I if I can get a nap in the day, I will get a nap in. But um, so I have classes in the morning. And then practice starts, uh, it's usually 230 to 5. But we also have to get screened before we actually go to practice or anything. So we get screened in Merriman. So we have to get our temp check and like everything like that. And then practice, obviously wearing pra- masks throughout all of practice, and then just lift from five to six. So that's Dang. a typical day.
0: Yeah. Y- y'all are wearing masks during practice. Yeah,
1: like that's crazy. And
0: everything. I don't know. And then you're then you're dealing with the COVID tests and everything. And and I always read about that, like with the football team and the basketball team. Does does that just suck so much having um, to? Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 no please. Hey, the floor is yours. I'm, I'm genuinely curious what, what that is like. Because getting COVID tested is, it's not fun.
1: It's the worst. Um. So, like now, since we're in, because out of season, I would get tested like every three or four weeks, which is really nice. So I wasn't really getting tested as much. But now, because of season, we get tested every week, which sucks and I (laughs) whenever we go to uh because we go we get tested in castle and we get tested at like seven in the morning so not only is it a COVID test it's also an early COVID test so it just sucks all around but there's always the ones that like go a little too hard in the nose (laughs) and you just like uh after like our teammates are like dude did you get number one they sucked and I was like I'm no I got number two bro she was great (laughs) I was like, yeah, they were really soft with that. I love that at the end. They're like, yeah, they were really soft with it today. I don't know. It's like new people or something.
0: Oh my <laughs> so gosh. That, yeah. is
1: that,
0: you, <laughs> is that, so it's different people every day. It's like not yeah. the same people. Okay. All right. See, that's like a game of roulette. They keep you guessing every day. Is it going to, is it going to be painful or is it going to be, you know,
1: like, Am I going to cry? Am, <laughs> am
0: I, I going <laughs> <laughs> to cry real tears? That's incredible. <laughs> so what are some of the core values that head coach pizza Moore? instills in his team what have you learned from him
1: uh some of the core, va- sorry core values uh for sure is like he wants us to be hardworking. i feel like that's just like a given with any athlete he wants us to put in effort every day get better every day um business-like for sure like we go and we do our business like we don't have like our egos like we stay really like humble like we're not really cocky a cocky team i always say i was like you want people to talk about you you don't want to have to talk up yourself that just means like you're not good. I feel honestly, but uh, on, uh, also he wants us to stay focused, like get your stuff done. So like stay focused on school and softball because those are two things that are important right now in life. Well, family, all all that other stuff, jazz too. And then he just also wants us like to kind of like stay hungry with everything. Like nothing is good enough. That's what he always wants us to think. Is like no matter what we're ranked, we can always get better and that stuff. And a lot of the stuff that I've just like learned from Coach Pete is honestly just to push myself. And is that like, you can get better every day. Like they're like, you're not going to be perfect. So there's something that you can get better with every day. And so obviously I've learned hitting like coach Pete is a hitting guru. Like that dude is off the charts with hitting, like, like not even kidding. Like he's amazing. And then lastly, probably just like mental game. So like in high school, I like really didn't care about like my mental game type of thing. Like it wasn't instilled into us. We, I didn't read books. I didn't do any of this. And now, before like every season he has us read mind gym or like other like types of books that like kind of get our mental game because like everyone says, like it's like 90% mental, 10% physical. So it's like, we're already at this level. Everyone's already good in division one. It's who has the best mental game and who can actually get to that point and prepare themselves for that and get through those hard times. So he's definitely prepared me for that, which I think will just prepare me in life, honestly, to always push myself.
0: Sure. Uh, No, I think, I think that that's so awesome those values because i i think it's very mature of you to realize that those things definitely uh will take you very far uh and i think that one of the things that virginia tech not just on in softball but i think just across the board is they really do prepare their student athletes beyond the classroom down the line and and to see just how well so many student athletes have done not only you know Either at the professional level, but just uh, in the workplace, and uh, it's it's really really special. So to see you currently being part of that process, and then to see people who have gone on, I just always think is uh, is so so great. Uh, which is what, in turn, just makes Virginia Tech uh, home and and just a very very special place. Um, moving right along, who are some of the softball teams? key matchups this season and why
1: okay so I like wrote them down here so we have Clemson and I think Clemson is obviously a key matchup is they haven't we haven't played them at all like they're they're a completely new programs so we didn't get to play them last year and Clemson hasn't saw, had softball since till last year So, I think that's like it's like a new program, new like new coaches, new everything. So, that's definitely a key matchup. And then Florida State, so they have them at number one in the ACC. So, obviously, we want that spot. So, that's definitely and they're all they're just good competition, Florida State, too. So, it's definitely that's definitely going to be a good series. Um, Duke, they're like a really scrappy team, I feel. So, like, that was a really good, uh, my freshman year, we swept them, but like it was like two to zero, two to one. Like, it was good games. They're a very scrappy team. And then Notre Dame, they're ranked third. So they're actually, like, below us. And uh, I haven't had the chance to play them. Like, the, my freshman class hasn't – well, my class hasn't gotten to play them yet. So that, like, that should be fun, actually. And then lastly, probably Georgia Tech. <laughs> I literally just have who's the better tech. That's why. Got <laughs> it. make sure that we're the better tech. That's so That's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. Of course we're yeah. the better tech. I mean – percent It's not even a question.
0: Okay. So you and I have talked – prior to recording about, you know, who are the teams that you would say that, you know, you guys focus in the most on, like you said, Duke is scrappy. Is there any team that y'all kind of have like history with like game gets chippy a little bit? Can you even talk about that? You know,
1: I, I, I hope we can, t- I can talk about it. Cause I'm going to tell you, but uh, <laughs> I think definitely um, NC state for sure. Okay. They're a, very, they're a very chippy team with us for sure. Like we, we like, we like playing them for sure. Definitely a very chippy team when it comes down to that. Like we it's, we're going It's competition. Win. It's competent. It's we're going to com- win. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> NC state for sure. Even after gotcha. I mentioned them today, but yeah.
0: You know, and just to be clear, I'm not saying like go out there and y'all, you know, the dugouts clear or anything like that. I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying we're
1: fighting them.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're fighting them. No, I'm just saying who's like who is your favorite team to play or the best competition? And I, I think that's that's great. NC State, the the pack. Uh, I never would have guessed that. How can Hokie fans get involved with the softball program? This is, this is important to me uh, and, and important to Billy Ray and Pat as well. Uh, really, how can we get involved? How can we tune into the games? How can we follow the program this season? Because uh, I'm fired up. I really, really am. I have looked at y'all's schedule, and I want to follow along, and and, and I want to be involved.
1: So, um, obviously you can just like watch us with our games. Like they're usually hopefully like on the ACC network. So when we play ACC teams, for sure, they'll be on the ACC network. Uh, this weekend, I think they're definitely, uh, they're going to be streamed on YouTube. Kennesaw is streaming them on YouTube. And if you want to keep up with us, it's on Hokie Softball for both Instagram and Twitter. So it's like Hokie Softball. That's the at name. <laughs> but, uh, all the links, like, uh, usually our SID will post the links to where you can watch the games on our Twitter. So that's where you just like click the link and then that's where you can watch our games. So for that's, yeah, pretty much. That's how you guys can support us is usually through social media and like cheering us on because we don't get fans this year. Really? Like I get two tickets and those two tickets are going to my parents. So that's usually, and like at Kennesaw, we don't get any fans like on our side. It's only Kennesaw like parents and families. So we, they, yeah, that's what we need our fans to support us like on the social medias and like knowing that they're still there for us, even though they can't be there for us in person. So, yeah.
0: Well, y'all just heard Grace. They're streaming games on YouTube. They're on Instagram. They're on Twitter. They're probably on Facebook. They're going to be on the ACC Digital Network, which that's the same network you stream the football and the basketball game. So really, y'all, you know, have no excuse. The softball team is going to be all over there this spring. I'm stoked. I really am stoked for you, Grace, because 11 11 months is a long time to not play a game. And I know what happened last year with COVID, and we're still kind of – in the thick of it, I feel like the light at the, is almost there at the end of the tunnel. But I'm, I'm just so glad that y'all get to play this season. I really am, um, and and we're fired up to follow along with y'all. Uh, so go check them out. Before we get into shout outs, though, we always do a lightning round. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna move right along into that. Number one, first question of the lightning round: favorite place to play that is not Blacksburg.
1: Uh, Florida in the preseason, so I can get tan. After, not, after being pale all of winter, which is really nice. So, definitely like Florida.
0: Fair. Yeah. When's the first time y'all play in Florida this season? Do you know?
1: Uh, I don't think we play in Florida, actually. Like, Florida State will come to Georgia Tech to play. So, it's like in between, in the middle for both of us. Got so it. I don't, unless we do, and I have no idea. So, I'm sorry on that one. No, <laughs> you're
0: good. No, I was just, I was just curious. We don't uh, get
1: preseason. We don't get – because usually preseason tournaments, we usually go to Florida because it's warm and it's nice there but this year we don't get a lot of preseason tournaments, which kind of sucks, but yeah.
0: Right. Favorite elements about Blacksburg. And I'm really curious about this one for you because you, you know, spent a lot of your youth in Las Vegas.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I love like the college town, like atmosphere. Like I really do. It's like when, like, it says, I always say this to people. They're like, how do you like Blacksburg? How do you like tech? I was like, when they say this is home, it, this is home. Like, that's the thing, like, the people here just really make you feel comfortable. Like, I don't know. I just feel like really safe here. I feel like in a, like in a sense, and like the fans are great too. Like the energy that they bring and everything. It's like, I was eating at Zeppeli's one time and some of our fans literally came up to the table and we're talking about our season and everything. So like that just made me feel like it was really special type of thing is like the connection and the bond that we have to like our fans is really great. So that's probably like one of the elements I love about Blacksburg is just like, and also like, you're going to see people that, you know, which I love, like, doesn't matter where you go. You're going to see someone, you know? So I love the small aspect. Cause like Vegas, you know, it's like big in a sense, like the city and all that, but like Blacksburg will love a good college town. I was excited to come to Blacksburg and like get away from the city and that type of thing. For sure.
0: I love that you say that that is the one thing I miss the most about that place. And I think Bill and Pat would agree with me there. And anybody who was graduated, it's just the fact that, You could be walking downtown. You could be uh, literally on the duck pond. You could be at the Cascades hike and you could see somebody you knew. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's just speaks volumes to that small town energy, but it's the biggest, the biggest little town I think I've ever been to. And that's what I love about Blacksburg, Virginia. Uh, So I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I, I feel that. Uh, Another one favorite class you've taken so far as a multimedia journalism major.
1: Does it have to be in like multimedia journalism or can it be like one of my cinema minor classes? It can
0: be that too. We'll count that. We'll count that.
1: Um, I think it would have to probably be uh, one of my uh, intro to cinema production classes was like definitely one of my favorites because uh, we were like making movies and like that type of stuff. And I think it really made me like realize that I hate editing things. So I think that's what it made me realize, but also made me realize like I love shooting movies and that coming up with the ideas for things and like scripts and all that. So I think that's really what like that one class I also have to shout out is John Boyer's World Regions class. Let's go. Dude, no, those classes, like, that was one of the classes I loved for some reason. I loved learning about all that stuff. I watched the movies in that class, too. One of the, one of my favorite movies is from that class. Like, one of my all-time favorite movies is because of John Boyer's. What movie? movie? It was the one uh, about the earthquake in China. Okay. Aftershock. I
0: feel like I remember that shout out to professor John Boyer. We've had him on the sons of Saturday. He is one of so many people have told us that he has been one of their favorite interviews. He's just, that man is a mystery and the, the, the the Avenger is so real and, and we love professor John Boyer. So shout out to him. Yeah. Uh, I love (laughs) the world regions. The best. Oh my gosh. Favorite dining hall
1: uh probably uh west end because i lived right above it so that was definitely how the freshman 15 have you ever had the chocolate covered strawberries from west end
0: of course next question
1: i got those every single day that oh god and the brunch sunday brunch is on is unbeaten there
0: sunday sunday brunch at west end they had like the london broil and all that stuff And it hits all the, all the student athletes love West end because yeah. it's attached to Cochrane. Yeah. You know, I don't, I, have
1: to go outside. I don't even have to go outside for it. So that's, you, that point. is
0: true. And in yeah. the winter right now, you know, if you're a freshman on campus and you're a student athlete, it just makes sense. You don't even have to brave the drill field to walk to Turner place at that's, Lavery yeah. hall.
1: Like Turner. Like Turner is great, trust me. Like I learned about crepes my end of my freshman year, and I was so mad about it that I didn't know Turner had crepes. And crepes are bomb, actually. Crepes are so bomb. They're so good. Like the Nutella one, my favorite one. But uh, yeah, I didn't discover Turner till like my, the end of my freshman year because I was not about to walk across. I have to that's so sore. I wasn't gonna walk. <laughs>
0: that's an upperclassman dining hall. Yeah, You know, fre- freshmen don't really go there. But, you know, the freshmen go to Owens and West End and D2 and DX mm-hmm. because it's right there in the thick of the dorms. Turner Place, it's like I drove to campus or I took the bus. Mm-hmm. I'm here, so I'm going to go stand in that 45-minute Cadoba line <laughs> uh, and because, you know, I made the trip all the way out here from Fox Ridge. So it just – I'm not not going to get a burrito bowl or the
1: hibachi, the
0: hibachi or origami. Oh my gosh. Just the yum yum sauce. They always said two pumps. We're not doing two pumps. Oh no.
1: You like, I drown it. Like, can I have yum yum with a side of hibachi?
0: Yeah. That's what I want. You got to flood it. You have to absolutely hurricane flood the hibachi. It's the best. All right. So, Favorite dining hall, West End. Favorite off-campus restaurant, and it does not have to be our favorite off-campus restaurant. Please, I'm I'm genuinely curious. What is it?
1: Okay. Um, my favorite off-campus, uh, I would say, um, because okay, well, my mom discovered this place, but like I fallen in love with it, so it's it's Zepoli's. I don't know if you've ever had it, but it's an Italian place here and it's I, a, where is it i don't i don't know that. It, um shoot you know where like uh, chipotle is and like mcallister's and like the panda express like on uh is that fairy? sorry i'm not good with streets
0: <laughs> oh so, oh this is this is the new <laughs> see this new development grace you don't know ah, old school That, oh, that oh. Development is
1: oh is oh new. Uh, but I know ghetto, what you're talking ghetto, about. Ghetto, ghetto Kroger. You know where ghetto Kroger yes, is. Yes, I do. And okay. the math empower. Yes. Yeah. It's right across from the math impo. It's like kind of tucked away and like hidden. All it's right. Like them for sure. Like I will shout out Zeppleys. It's just so good. All right.
0: Shout yeah. out Zepplys. I gotta try that. I've literally no disrespect to them. I, I don't I'd never heard of the place before. It's so so. I'm all about trying new things, all about trying new restaurants. So the next time I'm in the Berg, whenever that may be, Grace, you and I will have to go to Zeppelin's. I'm so down. And you have to, you know, show me the tricks of the tray with the menu. I'm all all about that. I'm curious, and it might be different right now with COVID, but favorite place to study on campus?
1: Can it be like, for me, it's just like the softball indoor. I don't know if that, like, counts. That counts. Okay. I I would say that counts. Like the softball indoor, I feel like my brain is just locked in and I get so much work done. And I could not tell you why, like I don't do homework at home. I will go and do it at the softball indoor. Cause I feel like I'm just, I'm locked in. I need to get this type of thing done. Like I applied to like four or five internships while I was in there. I was on my grind whenever I'm in there. I don't get anything done at home. So See, the
0: softball indoor. that's fascinating to me because I'm one of those people who I'm the most productive at my house. I, or, 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 or wherever, you know, my humble abode was, I, I never got anything done on campus. I could never do that. So props to you. Uh, I also did not have the luxury of the softball indoor. So, you know, I don't know what that experience is like, but I'm sure it's very, very nice. Uh, and the last lightning round question I will ask you is what is your favorite softball memory so far?
1: I'm going to say Clearwater. So, like, Clearwater is a super big tournament for us. And I feel uh, like a lot of, the, like, the really big teams go. Like, we played uh, Oklahoma State, Minnesota, like, a lot of World Series teams. And so I think, like, that was, like, a great memory is, like, going to Florida and, like, with my teammates and that, like, that type of stuff. And, like, playing those teams was really cool. And, like, we competed against them, too. Like, we did really well in, like, Clearwater. And, like, facing that type of pitching was just, like, crazy. I was like, dude, like... Cause a lot of those girls, like, uh, one of the girls, uh, she's a pitcher like Pfizer on Minnesota. Like you, I would watch her on TV. Like I grew up watching her on TV and now I'm hitting against her. So that's what was just like crazy to me. Is like seeing all the girls that like you've watched and now you're actually playing with them. So I feel like that was like really surreal, which definitely sure. like for sure. And plus both, um, it's crazy because my, so my dad had worked in Wisconsin while I was uh, my sophomore season and like most of my freshman year season. So my dad really didn't get to see me play. And so then my dad actually came down for Clearwater. So it was my mom and my dad were there. So I feel like that was just like a great experience to having like both my parents there. Cause my mom comes to every home game. So now like getting to my dad, like actually getting to see me play, which was really great. He hadn't seen me playing since I was in like travel ball. It was really great.
0: Wow, That's very, very special. I, I would say that, that's I mean, for a favorite memory to this point, and you're, I mean, you got two years left. So I just I'm so stoked for you. i I am so jealous to anybody who is still at or enrolled in that incredible academic institution. Yeah. Uh, i I am just so envious because you have so many more memories to be made. Uh, and you just don't even realize what they are yet. And so I, for that, I am extremely jealous. Uh, but to wrap this thing out, Grace, I am going to uh, – the floor is yours. We always do shout-outs on the podcast. This is your time to shout-out whoever you would like uh, and or shout-out whatever you would like. Uh, the floor is yours.
1: Uh, I think uh, getting, like, away from, like, me and stuff, I want to talk, like, more about, like, some of my teammates and, like, some of the accolades that they've actually had. So I want to start with, like, one of our pitchers, uh, Keely. She's a junior pitcher this year. I'm going to list off some of her accolades because she's a a stud. She's a beast. Uh, So she got preseason All-American first team, uh, second in her class ranking, so she's number two for juniors, uh, like, in all of uh, D1 softball. It's pretty dope. Uh, pre season ACC pitcher of the year, collegiate player of the year watch list, and she's pre season all ACC. So she's all tough. Right. Yeah, yeah. List will go on and on for sure. And then now I'm gonna get, uh, I'm gonna talk actually about my roommate, Kelsey. I love this girl, love her to death. She's actually been my roommate since uh, freshman year. So it's like we've grown up together in college, which is great. Like she's seen me freshman year, Grace, to now, Grace two different people. You would not even think we're the same people. A girl has grown up for sure. <laughs> she's grown up. But um so Kelsey has uh she got preseason all ACC and then she got number 8 for class ranking so as a sophomore. So that's dope. She was also ACC freshman of the year. I'm going to shout that out real quick for her. And then uh lastly I want to shout out Jamie. So she was uh she got preseason all ACC and she's just dope too. She's one of my really good friends also. She's a, she's in my class too. She's a sophomore. So, yeah, just wanted to talk about my teammates there and just, like, I think that I want a lot of, like, your fans to engage more in softball because we're a fun sport to watch. I really do think so. We're also not as long as baseball games, so that's the one thing. We're only, like, two hours, 2.30, so that's what's nice. It's not, like, a crazy long game and it's a fast-paced game, so definitely take the time to watch it for sure, but...
0: Grace, I couldn't agree more. And literally, you know, basketball game, two hours. A football game, three hours. Softball game, two and a half. It's a happy medium. To me, it makes sense. I personally am going to be tuning in. Billy Ray and Pat will be tuning in. We have even discussed having some of your teammates come on throughout the season to talk about upcoming matchups, exciting games, uh, things to look for. So everybody stay tuned for that. Uh, Really, you know, I, you, you call this on Saturday fans. You know, we, we appreciate that. This is a family affair Uh, to any, anybody who listens to us. It's, it's a family thing. So to our family out there, check out the Virginia tech softball team. We're going to be talking to them all season long. We're stoked to to partner with you guys and, and literally any way that we can help you all. You, you just let us know uh, in terms of how we can put the word out uh, and we can't wait to follow along. So grace, thank you. coming on. We can't wait to talk to you soon and uh, I'll just say go Hokies.
1: Thank you. Go Hokies.
2: All right, welcome back into Sons of Saturday Hoops pod. My name is Mike McDaniel, joined by Ed Williams. Ed, Joe Bamisil appearance, buddy. He looked good. Yeah, that was that was definitely a pleasant surprise. We needed a little bit of a
3: shot in the arm in that game for sure. So welcome to the big show, Joe Bam. Let's Hopefully we can see more moving forward from him.
2: Yeah, it was awesome. Joe Bamisil came in against Miami. We'll get into that game in a bit more detail. He came in and provided a much-needed spark off the bench for the Hokies that – Tech didn't have in the previous matchup against Pittsburgh uh, coming off the UVA victory a couple weekends ago. Um, Ed, we recorded our last podcast about, uh, about 10 or 11 days ago, um, right after the UVA victory. Uh, we got together on that Sunday afternoon, talked about the two games ahead, um, which, you know, Pitt on that Wednesday night and then Miami last Saturday were the two games we were going to talk about. And we were hoping that we would be able to preview. um, We we knew Florida State was getting canceled or postponed because of their COVID issues. We were hoping we were going to be able to preview the Louisville game. Well, the Louisville game this Saturday is not happening now because they have a COVID outbreak in their program. So Tech is going to go over a week without playing any sort of basketball games, which is good on one hand, because they're going to have guys get the opportunity to be healthy. Right. So Jalen Cohn injured his ankle against Miami, didn't play a whole lot in that game at all. Cordell Pencil has been out for like a month. So another week off for him without missing any action is good. So hopefully they can get him back in. It's another depth piece, but, and let's talk about, you know, the two games that have taken place since we last recorded. So Virginia tech, unfortunately lost last Wednesday night on February 3rd to Pittsburgh, 83 to 72. That game was not as close as the final score indicated. Um, Tech ends up losing this game by 11. They were down by, I believe, as many as 15 or 16 points in the second half. It was a tie game at halftime. Tech didn't have their best stuff. Kevin Aluma was awesome. He had 30 points and 10 rebounds. Uh, But Virginia Tech, outside of that, really struggled to get any sort of production out of their backcourt. Aluma, again, had a really good game. Justin Mutz has been really good now for about two or three weeks. He's just been solid. Uh, He had 17 points and six rebounds in this game against Pittsburgh. Hunter Couture had 12 points off the bench, but those are the only three Hokies in double figures. Jalen Cohn had another rough shooting game. Beattie had his worst game of the year. Didn't give the Hokies anything offensively, even less than he does usually. Naheem Aline had a really rough game, one of eight shooting. So, Ed, what were your thoughts on this game against Pitt? I I wasn't overly surprised there was a letdown. I did think Tech would win this game, but – I wasn't overly surprised at the letdown. I was a little bit disappointed by the way Tech played, especially defensively, shutting down Champagny, but then going out and um, allowing Xavier Johnson to score 32 points off the bench on 11-17 shooting. That is not what you want to see out of the Virginia Tech team that come off of two really strong defensive performances entering that game.
3: Yeah, I mean, I was obviously worried about Champagny, but um, turned out to be – Incorrect on that one. Xavier Johnson came off the bench. I mean, I put that in air quotes because he's usually a starter and played 36 minutes. I mean, he played the most minutes on the team for Pittsburgh. I guess there were some issues in the prior game that made him come off the bench. He started the second half, uh, and he was pretty much unguardable and unconscious all night. Um, Hitting everything, 11 of 17 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3. They just didn't have an answer to guard him on the perimeter. He was just blowing by whoever was on him. Even, you know, I think Beattie had a couple issues even which uh, is uncharacteristic of him on the defensive end. Um, It's just one of those nights ran into a hot shooter. He played, he carried them offensively. Um, Champagne, he piled in a little bit down the stretch. He ended up with 10, but all in all, I mean, it was just, it had very uh, Penn State vibes to the game. Um, Tied at halftime and then the second half, they just couldn't do anything to stop them. They scored 52 points in the second half. That's not, you're not going to win a lot of games giving up that many points in one half, Um, especially in this conference um, Jeff Capel's got that team moving in the right direction. Um, they're, you know, at the time of the game, they were nine and five, but, um, they've had some good games and then they've had some letdown games. They're going, they're a program on the upswing for sure. Um, definitely a letdown performance, um, from the majority of the Hokies. I did think they were going to win the game. Um, I was a little bit surprised with the, the second half effort there, but it was back to back really good games from keve Aluma. And then, like you said, nothing from anybody else. So, um, you need more out of the backcourt. You know, you, your two starting guards, Cone and BD, can't combine for nine points. Right. Um, that's just, you're not going to win any games that way. Uh, I do, I mean, we'll talk about this a little bit more when we get into the Joe Bama still, but I do think Jalen Cone's much more suited for an off-the-bench role, That uh, hopefully if we get Tyrese Radford back, he can move back into that spark plug, come in and just shoot threes type of guy. Um, I don't know that he's more enough of a complete player to play 31 minutes and be a starting guard. Um, I think he's just really well suited for that role he was in prior to the Tyrese Radford suspension, so um, we'll see what happens moving forward. But yeah, all in all, it just wasn't a very good defensive effort from the Hokies. Um, They allowed Pitt to score or shoot at a 50% rate, which is really high, and they could not stop Xavier Johnson, so tough one coming off of a really big win, but it was a road game in the ACC. Things like that happened. Um, I was really happy to see that they were able to keep it somewhat close when things started to spiral out of control
2: you mentioned the 52 points that Pittsburgh scored in the second half of this game. Virginia Tech had allowed 51 points in the Notre Dame game and 51 points in the UVA game prior to this game against Pittsburgh, the two lowest opponent scoring outputs of the season for the Hokies, and then allowing 52 points in the second half, 83 points overall to Pittsburgh on on 50% shooting is just not not the way you want to go. Um, So yeah, a poor performance defensively, I thought. Um, Rough game offensively for the backcourt. It was a little bit troubling because we've seen this now a few times this year. The the Penn State matchup early in the year kind of rang true. It really felt like Virginia Tech had a bit better offensive game um, against Pittsburgh than they did against Penn State, but had the same sort of feel to it defensively, where no matter what Tech did, even on possessions where it felt like Virginia Tech did guard well, Pittsburgh was just knocking down shots. And it was just one of those nights where, again, you run into an to a hot shooter was Xavier Johnson hitting four threes 11 to 17 from the floor overall he did have seven assists as well it, it was it was interesting because Tech took Justin Champagne almost totally out of this game he still had double double he had 10 points 13 rebounds <laughs> which is hysterical I mean he's, he's a really good player it felt like he was a total non-factor in this game he still had a double double so I thought Virginia Tech overall did a pretty nice job on him he was only three of eight shooting from the floor and It really was Xavier Johnson carrying him. It was a a one-man show. Horton had 15 points off the bench as well on four threes. So 9-23 from three for Pitt, that's, you know, anytime you, you know, hit nine threes and shoot almost 40% from deep, you're going to give yourself a pretty good chance to win. That's before an unreal performance by Xavier Johnson. So that was a tough one for Tech to swallow. Tech then had to go on the road for the second consecutive game last Saturday against Miami. Hokies win 80-76 to in overtime. It was a game that, you know, I thought Virginia Tech had a pretty good hold on. I thought they were playing much better than they did against Pittsburgh, especially on the defensive end. I thought Tech was doing a really nice job on both ends of the floor uh, for about 35 minutes. And then the last five minutes defensively were not nearly as good. Tech got into a bit of a scoring drought. Miami got hot from deep. Isaiah Wong hits a three-pointer with – um, less than a minute left and then Hunter Couture hits a three this is the spark notes version of course Hunter Couture hits a huge three uh, to bail Tech out as time expires and send the game to overtime Virginia Tech played excellent defense in the extra period outscored Miami by a large margin of six to two in the overtime period Ed uh, to end up winning the game it was a really stout defensive performance in overtime even though the last five minutes of regulation were not nearly as good What stood out to me here and I think is going to kind of dominate this conversation is the emergence of Joe Bamisil. He comes off the bench and Ed, we talked about Joe coming into the year, obviously a really highly touted recruit, huge expectations coming in. One of the best guards in the country, you know, a top, you know, 150 player, just a really, really strong prospect coming out of high school. And we expected Bamisil to have a larger impact on this season earlier on and he played a little bit early in the year we've seen him you know every now and then come into the game during ACC play and play like six or seven minutes but he played 25 minutes that's a career high for him he had 11 points three assists two rebounds Mike Young comes out and talks to the media uh, this past Monday on the ACC teleconference and he says that Joe Bamisil has not only earned his way into the rotation but he's earned his way into a high rotation role to the point where he's going to be in the game before the first media timeout. So that's how impressed Mike Young has been with how Joe Bamisil, number one, is practiced, but number two, came in and provided that spark that the Hokies so desperately needed in the second half against Miami. For a while there, he kept the Hokies in the game with his playmaking. And I thought his defense was pretty good too. I, I thought overall he looked really comfortable, the most comfortable he's been that I've seen anyway in a tech uniform for Joe Bamisil.
3: Yeah, the game seemed to slow down a little bit for him. He looked he looked like he belonged for the first time that I've seen Yeah, um, on both ends of the floor. He played really well. I'm not as high on Joe Bamisil this year as a lot of people are. Um, let's be honest. He played out of necessity. Um, right. If Tyrese Radford's not suspended and Jalen Cohn doesn't get hurt, Joe Bamisil's not in that game. Right. Um, I think in a Mike Young's ideal world, and maybe, you know, maybe he always talks about how well Bama played in practice, so maybe that's had an impact. But I think in the ideal world, this year would have been almost a redshirt-type right. deal for Bama and Maddox, um, and that, that would have been a great thing. Uh, Joe Bama is more physically ready than Darius Maddox is, but they're both very gifted basketball players and will be good for a long time for the Hokies. Um, but like I said, let's be honest, he played out of necessity, and he played really well. So credit to him. He got his opportunity. And he balled and he looked like he belonged and he provided that spark that typically comes from Jalen Cone off the bench. Right. Um, things of that nature. So maybe we'll see a world now where um, Bama stills in the starting lineup and Cone goes back to his bench role. I think that would be something that um, Mike Young probably doesn't want to do, but could be more suited to, you know, help Jalen Cone. Um, if he's able to play, obviously I, I know he was in a boot. I only played five minutes against Miami, which is not something you want to see at all. Um, maybe this, I mean, this week off could be a blessing in disguise for guys like Cone and Pencil. Um, uh, but yeah, Joe Bama still looked really good. Um, it, you see what everyone sees, right? Why everyone's so excited. The athleticism's off the charts, um, hit a couple of nice jump shots, really nice pass to David and Gasson, uh, for a layup He all yep. around played, played a really good game, looked good on defense. Um, you know, 11 points, three assists, two rebounds and a steal. I mean, did a little bit of everything. So it was a really good performance for him. Um, but not to be overshadowed was Justin Motz because he played, the, I mean, I keep saying this every time we get on the pod, I'm like, Justin Motz may have just played his best game. Justin Motz may, may have just played his best game. It continues to just get better and better and better. Yeah. 22, nine, seven. I mean, like, come on. That's crazy yeah. from a guy who was playing at Delaware last year. Um, it's ridiculous. Like I've got family members who went to a Delaware game last year and I was like, yeah, like the kid for tech is a Delaware transfer. And he was like, well, I didn't see anybody on Delaware last year who I thought belonged in the ACC. Well, Mm -hmm. turns out Justin Mutz did, and Mike Young figured that out because he is fantastic. He does a little bit of everything really, really well. And he's a great guy to have defensively because he can guard multiple positions. I mean, I'm sure you... I'll I'll kick it back to you to talk about the Hunter Couture shot. How about that?
2: Yeah, so real quick. I mean, we had announcers, uh, on the ACC network, uh, ACC network extra, may I add, because it was impossible to find this game if you didn't have cable, but we figured out a way, um, Justin, Justin Mutz. I mean, they were trying to speak a triple double into existence. Ed. There was like five minutes left in the game and they were like, uh, we're on triple double watch for Justin Mutz. And I was like, all right, there's no shot. He gets it now. Thanks. <laughs> but they, uh, I mean, he's, he's been awesome. And like offensively, he continues to take steps forward and that's, the part of his game, that coming into the year you and I discussed, we said, look, defensively, we think he will be able to adapt more quickly because he was really good defensively at Delaware. We talked about his defensive presence for the first handful of Virginia Tech games and non-conference play. The fact that he's been able to have an offensive arsenal now added in where he's a lot more comfortable, the game has slowed down for him on that end of the floor is huge. Um, it takes pressure, number one, off Kebe Aluma. It takes pressure off guys like Wabisabidi who aren't going to score a lot of points. Um, when, when you don't have... Um, guys, and I, I want to group Jalen Cone in this category for a moment because he has not shot the ball well lately and now he's injured. Um, when you're struggling to find consistent offensive production out of your backcourt, that's not to be unfair to Jalen Cone. But he just hasn't shot the ball well lately and is just inherently is not a scorer and that's just kind of the way it is. Uh, When you have that kind of predicament and you're relying on your bigs, your wings, and bench points for a production of your offensive output, it really helps to have a guy like Justin Mutz provide a one-two punch to your best player, in my opinion, Kebe Aluma, right? And the fact that Mutz has emerged as that guy is gigantic for Virginia Tech. Um, I think Joe Bama st- stole the show in this game because everybody understands, you know, what kind of prospect he is and the fact that he came in and played a huge role tech doesn't win the game without him, obviously, but Hunter Couture hitting that three with no time left. There was a little bit of discussion, whether or not he stepped out of bounds. I'm not here to argue the merits of that and why that play isn't reviewable. It is what it is. He hits a big three uh, to send tech to overtime. He consistently hits huge shots for the Hokies. And when you couple that with the emergence of Justin Mutz offensively, Those two guys, Mutz and Couture, have been so huge and so instrumental to Virginia Tech taking this massive step forward in year two under Mike Young. They're the two most important players on the roster, in my opinion, as to why this thing has gone in a new direction. We knew Aluma would be good. He's a little bit even better than advertised. But the fact that Mutz and Couture have come along, especially on the offensive end, more than we expected, it untaps a new ceiling for this Virginia Tech basketball program under Mike Young. These are two really really important players and you couple that with the youth that they have and that this is a, a team that's really well positioned to be good for a number of years to come, but Aluma, Mutz and Kator this year have been a major reason why Tech has taken that next step forward and look the three of them last Saturday against Miami were giant. I mean, they came up big when you needed to. Aluma was consistently in the paint, wreaking havoc defensively. Offensively, he didn't have his best game from three. Um, he was 0-5 of 5 from deep, but he was 5-8 of 8 in the paint, which is what you need out of Kebe Aluma. Mutz was really good. Kator hits the huge three. He had 14 points overall and played really good defense. I question, now moving forward, this is obviously a very big win for Virginia Tech. The Florida State game this past Tuesday got canceled. And now the Louisville game this Saturday gets postponed, Ed. And now I wonder, we're on Tyrese Radford watch, number one. Okay, so let's, let's talk about that real quick. Tyrese Radford traveled um, to Miami. He was with the team. That was the first time he had been with the team since the suspension. Mike Young continues to talk about this going in a good direction. I keep hearing that it's going in a good direction my gut tells me that the next time Tech takes the court, we will be seeing Tyrese Radford. And if that's not the case, it will be the case very soon. He's coming back this year, Ed. Um, he's going to be back on the team this year. And that's huge because I think they really miss him, especially now with Jalen Cone out. And I wonder how they reintegrate Radford. I think you throw him right back in the starting lineup and see what he can do. And, and I think tech moving forward, they're going to have to figure out how to kind of mesh these pieces off the bench, the emergence of the if you decide he's going to have a bigger role, how do you play Hunter Couture? If Jalen Cohn's healthy, how many minutes does he get? That's a really good problem to have. If you're Mike young, Ed.
3: Yeah. I really would quickly want to go back on something you were just talking about that you clumped together three guys. And I want to point something out. Aluma, Mutz, Couture, Wofford, Wofford, Delaware. Yep. The, the talent evaluation Great of Mike point. Young and his staff is incredible. Um, the ability, And I've seen, you know, multiple national level reporters, John Rothstein, Jeff Goodman, those types mentioned that on Twitter, like those three in particular, two offered guys and a Delaware guy and the production that they're getting in the ACC testament to Mike Young and his staff. Um, so let's talk about Radford. So, yeah, it does seem like everything is going well for him. I mean, you're way more plugged in on, you know, what's going on behind the scenes than I am um, just as a guy who has paid really close attention to this program and how it's run in the past under Buzz and now Mike Young, trying to put myself in a coach's, you know, mindset here. I think if these two games hadn't gotten postponed, he would have sat out one more. Yep. Um, from a, probably getting back in shape, but also a PR perspective, I think that would have been Mike Mm -hmm. Young's preference would have been to sit out one more game. So from that sense, this could be a blessing because having him against a team like Florida state would be really helpful. Same with Louisville. Um, I don't know what he's going to do. I would. I tend to agree with you. I think we will probably see him against UNC the next time they're on the floor. Um, good for him. I, I'm glad things are going correct. It's yep. a tough situation to be in. Yep. Um, but it, from what it sounds like, from what Mike Young said and what we're hearing, uh, Tyrese has handled it You know the way he's supposed to. He owned up to his mistakes. and his-
2: And the way that he has, by the way, just at a personal level, from everything we've heard about Tyrese Radford since he's been a part of Virginia Tech – this seems to be kind of a one-time. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to undercut the fact that this was a serious thing that happened, and a DWI is no joke, and a concealed carry charge is no joke. Um, but people make mistakes, Ed, and from all indications, everything Mike Young has said, and I don't know Tyrese Radford personally, so I, I don't want to comment on on you know who he is as a person beyond what Mike Young has said. But by all indications he's a fantastic representative of the virginia tech basketball program who has made a mistake and he's owned up to it and he's been doing the right thing since then which is all you can ask for right and i mean like uh, guns are a touchy subject but like he
3: had he he was it was legal for him to have it wasn't like he was like it was like a black market weapon i mean he had all the legal paperwork in place like so from he even in that situation he didn't have it on him so he didn't do that part right but everything up to that he was responsible going under and was cleared and all that kind of
2: thing right exactly
3: um so yeah i mean everything we've heard about Tyrese ratford is good on twitter every game he's cheering the guys on doing the right stuff um so i mean i'm really happy that he's gonna you know his career is not over you don't want to you know right. crucify a kid for making a mistake when you're in college i mean it was dumb and he is going to do the right things legally and otherwise so yep but from a basketball perspective I think Mike Young would have preferred him to sit one more um, that the schedule hasn't worked out, you know, that way, but it might've worked out in Tyrese and Virginia Tech's favor where he's probably going to play against UNC um, with all the time off and how he fits into the lineup. I think again, from a PR perspective, I don't know that Mike Young's going to throw him right back in the starting lineup. Agree. Um, he'll probably come off the bench, something like that, his first game and then, you know, resume his normal duties as the starting small forward or whatever position you want to call him. Um it's huge help, though. Shot yeah. in the arm for sure. He does so much so well that it masks a lot of other issues that the Virginia Tech team can have from time to time. Um, things like lack of a guy who can drive the ball. I mean, right now, our best off-the-dribble penetrator has been Hunter Couture, and that's just not what he does well. He does right. He's better at it than he has been in the past. He's gotten better. He's made strides, but that's not his game. Um, that's Tyrese Radford's game, and that you know we saw it early in the year multiple times where, you know, Tech was struggling a little bit on offense, and Tyrese would take the ball, go to the basket, and get a layup. That's his game, and that's what they need, especially with guys like Jalen Cohn out. Um, from a rotation perspective, I don't really know what they're going to do moving forward. Um, I would assume Cohn goes back to the bench, he slot Radford back in, and then, you know, Kator and, C- and Cohn can resume that instant offense-type role that they were providing. Yep. Uh, Couture's also taken on this little, like, quasi-point guard role um, when the team needs a bucket down the stretch. So, offense for defense, BD out, Couture in, to play the points. So, that'll be interesting. I'm sure that'll continue. And then I, I do wonder about Joe Bamisil. I mean, I, I think he's still going to play against North Carolina because Mike Young said it publicly, and Mike Young, when he says something, you listen and you you know hold a lot of value into that. So I think he'll still play. I do think it probably Radford coming back takes minutes away from guys like Joe Bamisil and probably Nahim lean, um, who has been very, very spotty, but played well in spurts. He had a big shot in overtime against Miami, a little floater down the lane. Yep. But I think those are the two areas where you'll probably see Radford get his minutes from, um, deservedly. So, and then the other guy who it sounds like is close to coming back is, um, Cordell Pemsel, Yeah. which I'm really excited about. Um, Look, I mean, I know it was an overtime game, but if you look at the Miami minutes distribution, Aluma played 43 and Mutz played 39. Uh, that's a lot of wear and tear. Um, and David Engasson's just not physically ready to be that guy off the bench who can, you know, hold it down give Aluma and Mutz a break. Pemsel is. Pemsel's a huge dude. Yeah. Um, and we saw him play really well at the beginning of the year in that bench, you know, big man role. So um, getting him back, I'm actually really excited about. I think he provides a lot that... Um, you know, Casson's just not ready to provide yet. So his minutes will probably go down to about zero. I would assume they right. will probably still come in and, you know, relieve mutts from time to time, but uh, I'm excited to get both Radford and Pemsel back. I think it's huge for this team.
2: I want your opinion on two things. Cause I have a couple theories I want to float here. Um, number one, I think, I think Tyrese Radford's return is really important for guys like Hunter Kator and Nahim right? Because you know, you, you spoke about Couture and driving to the basket and that's not really his game. And he's become better at, like you said, uh, definitely a better all-around player than he was a year ago. And he's made a lot of strides in several different ways. Number one, becoming a more efficient scorer and doing things other than just shooting threes all the time. And then defensively, he's been unreal this year and he's taken on that quasi point guard role, like you mentioned. So he's been a really good all-around player, but the strength of his game is definitely shooting the three. Right. And having Couture in that role where he's able to shoot threes and have a guy who's able to drive and kick in Radford. That's been what has been missing from this tech team over the last five games to have him back Radford back in that role, I think will help Couture. I think it'll really help Naheem Aline. Naheem Aline is a guy who I mentioned earlier in the year that I thought could emerge into tech's all around player. Cause I thought he could become the player that Hunter Couture has become this year. Um, cause he's got all the tools, right? Um, He's capable of driving to the hoop. He's a good shooter. Um, He plays solid defense. uh, But he doesn't do any of those three things consistently enough right now. Hunter Kator is doing all three things consistently. He's taken the jump that I thought Naheem Aline would take. Kator and Aline have two very similar games, in my opinion. I think Radford coming back with his drive and kick ability is really going to help those two players. I'm curious what you think of that. 100% agree with you. Yeah, He's just going to open up the floor way more. Having a guy who can get into the lane,
3: Think you know, Justin Robinson spacing the floor for guys like Ty Outlaw and a med hill for you know, however many years. Um, B doesn't really provide that dribble penetration that J Rob did, but Tyrese Radford can. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it makes the offense more three dimensional as opposed to just inside out right now. We have no real middle ground. Um, it's just a Luma with his back to the basket or Mutz with his back to the basket and then threes on the outside. I mean, Naheem Alina will hit a mid range jump shot from time to time, but in terms of just getting the ball to the hole, yeah, it's a, it's a big help for guys like Hunter Couture, um, Jalen Cohen even as well. I mean, hopefully his foot's all right. But, yeah, anytime you got three-point shooters on the outside and a guy who can dribble um, inside and make the defense collapse, it's a big deal. Uh, it'll help Hunter Couture a lot. Because right now the majority of Hunter Couture's looks are coming off of set plays and, like, pin-down screens, things like that. Um, whereas now I think he'll find himself, you know, floating to the corner for an open three as Tyrese drives, that kind of thing. Um, it makes the offense more, you know, multi-talented, I guess. Um, yep. So, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really looking forward to, you know, watching Tyrese get back on track and, you know, the team at full strength with Pemsel back too. Because if you remember at the beginning of the year, Pemsel played a lot. Um, yeah. And contributed at a high level. So, I'm I'm looking forward to the team at full strength. The fact that they've been able to go 3-1 and one without Tyrese Radford, I'm going to be honest, I didn't see that. I didn't yeah. see that. At the time of that announcement, I was like, oh, boy, here we go. And, man, how have they all stepped up and responded in a big way. Um, I love Hunter Couture. He is so good at everything. Yeah. Um, you know, he takes charges, like, to a game at this rate. It's unbelievable. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. And it's just its – you're just stealing possessions from the other team at that point. Like, it, it's such a big thing that I don't think people pay attention to. And there was some talk in the Sons of Saturday slack after the Miami game you know, was it a block? Was it a charge? When you're a guy like Hunter Couture and you take as many charges as you do, ACC refs know that. You, have, right. you, become, you get a reputation where, you know, you might get a call because you have that reputation for a guy. They watch really film, too. They watch right. film, too, Ed. You when you build that reputation, you kind of earn a little bit of cred. It's like guys in the NBA, you know, James Harden gets a foul call whenever he wants it. Well, he gets fouled a lot. And refs know that. So they just assume it's going to happen. Same thing with Hunter Couture. Um, He takes so many charges. He's earned himself a reputation. And, you know, he'll get a borderline call from time to time because of it. So props to him.
2: Yeah, I agree. A couple more things. The David Gusan thing, um, him being in a more limited role, this isn't a shot at him. He's just not, like, I don't think he's physically ready. I think he's been really good for tech when he's been in. And what he's been asked to do this year I think is perfect. I think you're getting him, number one, great experience. Number two, I think we're already seeing you know him scratch the surface into the player that he can become down the line. He's going to be a really important player for this program for a number of years. The fact that he's playing the minutes that he has as a freshman is testament to that. Um, so he played I
3: think- the most minutes. He was a three-star. He's played more minutes than the two guys that were ranked ahead of him. And sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I want to like, mention something about him that I would love for people to pay attention to uh, when he's in the game. Yep, His knack – for finding a loose ball or a rebound around the rim his ability around the rim for just being in the right place and yep. putting himself in the right place is kind of something that's hard to teach. It's just kind of like, um, people used to talk about with like Kevin Love when he used to get like 20 rebounds a game kind of thing. It's just, some people just have that ability around the rim to position themselves in a way to be a pain. I mean, yep. he is a pain. Like yep. he's always in the way. Um, rebounding wise and he always finds a way to like even on the Joe Bama still dump off to him he's always in the right place around the room he's got really good instincts down there so uh, people should pay attention to that and as he gets bigger more time in the weight room he's gonna be a problem
2: he is and I think having him I'm, I'm not saying he should play no minutes I think he definitely has a role but I think he'll be in a position that he's more comfortable with if Cordell Pencil is able to come back and contribute and then like you mentioned like Gusan can come back in and he can take some minutes from Mutz, right? He can spell him a little bit off the bench and be more in that, you know, seven, eight, nine minute range of game instead of playing like 15, 16, 17 minutes. I know that David and Gusan would love to play that, that amount of time, but it's what he's physically ready for going up against some of the bigs he has to face in the ACC versus like, you know, what Virginia Tech needs at that present moment. Like Mike Young, I don't think, wants to play David and Gusan like 20 minutes a game. I don't think he's trying to play him an entire half right now. He's going to be playing him that much or more, probably more than that, like a year or two from now, he's going to get a ton of minutes. Um, but the role that I think he's best suited for as a freshman, who's honestly in a perfect world, probably in a red shirt situation too, like just sitting there like Bama. like Darius Maddox, like being in a position where you're not playing a ton period, like you get a developmental year just from a physical standpoint. I think that's what Mike Young would want, but He's able to get him minutes, and I think it's going to be valuable down the line. We're going to be really happy he's getting the minutes that he's getting, and I think he's an important part of this team. But getting Cordell Pemsel back, I agree with you, would really help Aluma and Mutz, and it would even help David and Gusan from that standpoint, being in a role that I think right now he's a bit better suited for. True or false, Ed, the next three games at North Carolina, at Florida State, home against Georgia Tech, this is the toughest three-game stretch for Virginia Tech so far this season, true or false?
3: I think it would have been the last three, um, but, you know, two of them got canceled. Right. North Carolina's playing some good ball right now. Um, they, you know, obviously weren't very good to start off, but they're they're in a position now where they're probably a tournament team yeah. unless they, you know, collapse here at the end. But they're playing some good ball right now, so they're going to be tough. Um, they've got some obviously really talented players, as they always do. And then Florida State, I think Florida State's a pretty bad matchup for us. Um physicality wise, driving ability wise, they're, they're a really good team. They're clicking um, they've had, you know, multiple, multiple COVID issues at this point. So, um, you know, any game with them, who knows if it'll happen or not. They had COVID issues early. They're having COVID issues now, but they when they're on the court, they're really good. They also just have really good athletes just like North Carolina does. Um, yeah. I guess it probably, it probably is just because of those two teams. Um, matchup wise, those two teams are going to be tough. But I mean, you go two and one in that three game
2: stretch, you got to feel pretty good. So Georgia Tech's gonna be a pain in the ass. I mean, Tech gets them in Blacksburg. They're playing everybody tough right now. Um yeah. I I don't know. I mean, they're just they're they're a lot like Pitt, right? Like Passner has had a little bit more time than Jeff Capel, but Passner has started to get that thing turned around a little bit. Like they're playing really hard this year. Alvarado's been outstanding. They have a really good team, and they're kind of doing this whole up and down dance where it's a different team every night but if you get them on a good night they are a brutal matchup with how they play and the veteran leadership Passner, I think is a better coach and he gets credit for and I I don't know I think getting that game at home is important because I think you go on the road to Georgia Tech Tech's had the Hokies have had some trouble going on the road to Georgia Tech in the past so I'm glad that that game's in Blacksburg
3: they've had trouble on the road in general this year oh yeah Um, so yeah it's a tough stretch so we'll see how it goes and then you know, who knows what's going to happen with the canceled UVA and the canceled Florida State. If, if those games get played, I doubt it. Um, so we'll see moving forward with the schedule. It's going to be, you know, a race to the finish line for all these different conferences to try to cram as many of these games that have been missed as they can. And if you go on like ESPN and look at who's playing on any given night, there's at least two or three postponed games. So there's going to be a lot of games being made up, a lot of games that probably don't get made up. Um, but we'll see. One more thing I did want to talk about before we close this up on the Miami game, and I'll try to find the clip and I'll post it when, when we post this podcast, so I'll play the video as well. Um, if you're watching the baseline view of the Hunter Couture three to tie it, to go into overtime, watch what B. on that inbounds play. His eyes are never where Hunter Couture was until the very last possible second. And he made what is, so on the TV, looks like an easy inbound pass, but when you watch it from that angle, it's not an easy inbound pass at all. That play design was fantastic, and BD executed it to perfection on that Hunter Couture 3. And I'll, I'll play the, I'll try to find the clip, and I'll post it with the podcast. People can watch. And just watch how his eyes work. And, you know, he doesn't look at Hunter Couture once until the last possible second. Fantastic stuff from a veteran point guard.
2: People love to pile on BD when the team's not playing well, but – when tech is playing well, BD is a pretty big reason why. So tech's gonna need Absolutely. him down the stretch. I mean, I I'm not here for the BD slander, Ed. I'm not here down. for the BD slander. I know that I know what he's good at. I know what he's not good at, but I know he's important to a lot of things that Virginia Tech likes to do at both ends of the floor. So if fans want tech to make a run in the tournament, right, and we'll see what the ACC tournament does if they plan on having that. I think they're uh, that's the plan I got, I, I got an email about media credentials. So it's on as far as I know. Um, yeah. Got that inside if, scoop. Yeah. If, if fans want, if fans want tech to make a run in the ACC tournament, and then subsequently in the NCAA tournament, they're going to need with to play well, he's really important. So absolutely keep riding man. with these guys. Seriously. I mean, the, you, they're going to need BD. <laughs> yeah,
3: no, it's going to be a fun close of the season and I'll throw two more things out there and then I'll kick it back to you and you can, you know, close us out. Yep. Uh, First thing, shout out Virginia Tech wrestling. That was awesome. Yes. Um, I know that clip's been flying around on Twitter everywhere, but huge win against number three NC State. Hokies are now ranked fourth uh, in wrestling. So that was really cool. That was a really, really cool clip. Um, I encourage people to go check that out. And then another thing, um, the G League just kicked off. So if you find yourself um, wanting to watch a bit more basketball, uh, J-Rob's on the Delaware Blue Coats. He had a good first game yesterday. They play again today. We're recording this on the 12th. So tonight and then they play again on Sunday on the 14th on ESPN Plus or watch ESPN and then Med Hill is also in the G League he had a really good game yesterday as well so former Hokie hoopers um, doing good things in the G League trying to make a NBA roster here i guess they're in a bubble down in Florida the G League is and they're playing games um, back to backs and you know every other day they're playing a lot of games in a short amount of time so it's good basketball fun to watch there's some really good guys in the G League that uh you know especially ACC fans a lot of guys names you'll recognize so Yep. I encourage people to check that out as well. But go ahead, Mike, close it out. Tell us where you can find your stuff, and we'll get out of
2: here. Yep, at Mike McDaniel VT dot com. Go check that out. And, Ed, I think we're going to try to record probably sometime next week, maybe in between North Carolina and Florida State. We can just kind of see how the team looks like against the Tar Heels, and then hopefully that Florida State game gets played a week from Saturday, but we'll see what happens.
3: Yeah, maybe we'll record either in between the two or we can record right after Florida State. Um, that's a noon game. We could get something out late that night or something like that. Yeah. But it's usually better to record after two games that we, there's not enough to recap after one. So, exactly. Big week for the Hokies. Two really good teams, two tournament level teams that we're playing this week. Um, so, so high level ACC basketball. So, I hope everyone enjoys it.
2: Yep. Ed, where can you find it?
3: Twitter, E underscore Williams 24, and then sonsofsaturday.com. You know, all kinds of ridiculous Virginia Tech takes on there. So, um, yeah, not, I mean, Big week for
2: the Hokies guys. Let's, let's get after it. Yep. Big week. Good stuff. Ed. We'll talk soon until next time. Go Hokies.